This is a Prepping 2.0 Encore. Episode number nine. Bartering, trading posts, and alternative currencies. And now, please welcome authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Hello, everybody. This is Glenn Tate. And Shelby Gallagher. We're here for episode nine of Prepping 2.0. We're going to talk today about bartering, trade posts, and alternative currencies. First of all, welcome everybody. I want to just say thank you to all the great fans and listeners already that have just made Prepping 2.0 a great success. In just its first few weeks, your feedback has been great and your input has been great. So the best place to get a hold of us, and we try to make ourselves available to you, start at our website, prepping2-0.com. From there, you can launch off to the places you want to listen to us, whether it be iTunes, Podbean, YouTube, Still working on Stitcher. I've got to get some paperwork done. Put that on my list of things to do today, Glenn. There you go. And you can also get to social media there. If you want to reach us because you have an idea or something like that, my best suggestion, do not email Glenn. Glenn is crazy, crazy busy in his regular, normal life. And then on top of it, we put all the podcast stuff. He gets really busy and it's hard for him to engage with you. Email me. I'm more fun anyway. Let's just be honest. It's true. So Shelby Gallagher, 321 at gmail.com. If you have ideas, if you have some extra little inputs, if you have some feedback, prepping two dash zeros, where to start. Also, if you like what you hear and you want to join us in, supporting us you can go to patreon patreon is where our financial supporters um, have joined in thank you to all who have already yes and that is patreon.com forward slash prepping the digit to the word point digit zero.com you can see all the different levels there and some of the fun access you get we've had some fun recording some of the extra after shows oh yeah and they get kind of verbose we get kind of chatty yeah Well, you get more out of a guest in particular with the after show that we just did. And it's just more information than you can do. I mean, because these are one hour shows. We are on terrestrial radio and we just can't get all the information out with a guest in particular that we want in an hour. So the after show is cool. Yes, it is. And thank you to John Jeffers over at Contra Radio. Great support of ours. Really opened some doors up for our podcast and our radio show. And I'm not going to lie. We borrow some of his verbiage and ideas. He's a great guy. So... If you want to reach us another way and know just kind of what we're doing on a like weekly basis, go to our author websites, 299days.com or agreatstate.com. Sign up for our newsletters. Yeah, that's the way to really get your information yeah. you need. Like this episode's up. This is a guest we had. This is a guest we're going to have. Events we're going to be at. Yeah. Events that we're doing. We do some giveaways there yep. too as well. And we make a point to not spam people. So there's some of the cool ways to engage with Glenn and Shelby. We have a cool topic today. This is cool. Yes. Bartering, trading posts, and alternative currencies. We're always talking about the differences between prepping 1.0 and prepping 2.0, because that's why we exist, because we're prepping 2.0, that next level. Well, prepping 1.0 is having stuff. Prepping 2.0 is thinking about bartering, having barterable items, maybe thinking about a trading post, maybe even having plans in place to set up a trading post and thinking about alternative currencies. See, you can see that's the next step. By the way, right off the bat, alternative currencies, we're not talking about Bitcoin. We're not talking about Swiss francs. We're not talking about like actual current real world currencies. Coins we're and talking, paper. We're talking about things that will work in the collapse when we talk about alternative currencies. So that's why this is the 2.0 level. Well, Shelby, every show, we read another item off of our top 100 lists of things that go quickly in a collapse. This is not our list. There's about a billion of them. It's up on prepping2-0.com. Here's the thing. They're going to run out because they're in high demand and needed during a collapse. Now's the time to get them for cheap. And now's time to get them for cheap to use for currency later. And all of these things. Exactly. That's that was why we talk point. about this every week. It isn't just, hey, you should have everything on this list of 100 things. No, it's you should be thinking about it, first of all. But second of all, if you come across a good deal, something you don't use, one of these items on this list, 
maybe get it for bartering. So I believe we're on uh, number four. It's basically lighters, Zippo lighters, Bic lighters, butane lighters. They're the ones that are childproof that I can't see. Yeah, with the long kind of like the giraffe ones. They've got like Mm -hmm. the long thing for like putting in fireplaces and lighting fireworks based on a true story. That kind of stuff. And then there's the traditional, like your cigarette ones that are just the thumb clickers. And by the way, the Zippo ones, I think those are particularly cool because they're refillable. Yeah. And I have a Zippo lighter. Um, Most of the guys on the team have a Zippo lighter and you just get a little lighter fluid. Is it because you all smoke? No, No, don't smoke. Um, A million uses. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Not just fireworks. For goodness sakes, there's, I don't know, burning the ends of paracord, Mm -hmm. um, starting fires that could come in handy. All kinds of things you can use these things for. And they go really, really quickly. And as Shelby mentioned, so darn cheap right now. You can get them in bulk. By the way, go to the dollar store. I have not looked at butane lighters at the dollar store in a couple of years, so maybe my numbers are a little off. I'm going to say you can get a pack of four or five for a buck. They're not the really cool big ones. They're probably not as good. But guess what? They're for bartering. And I don't smoke, so I don't care, right? And so get... A bunch of these things because they are one of the first things that go the quickest. This is number four on the list of 100. I don't Mm -hmm. know that they're in priority order, but I'm telling you, every account I've ever listened to or read about, about collapsed places like, say, Argentina, which we'll be talking about uh, later in this show. Bosnia. uh, Bosnia. These are the things that go quickly. And I would include, well, I guess matches are a, a different item on the list for different reasons. But let me add that to the matches thing. Here's my example in that. And I don't do this weekly. Would I see a good deal? Because I'm looking for that perfect congruence of super, super cheap now, but will be valuable later. So something like this, that's on number four. I'm looking for it to be valuable later. So I'm at a cheapo... Sketchy. Sketchy is the best word. Store. One of my favorite stores, honestly, because of this, because <laughs> what I'm about to say, because you can get stuff for super cheap. A hundred packs of those book, card, matches. book matches, a hundred of them. Mm-hmm. And it's like a dollar or two for this huge pack mm-hmm. of matches. So what do I do? I buy several packs of them and I vacuum seal them in rows of 10. Yep. Just say, look, this pack right here is a dollar. I can barter that if I want, or I've got a bunch of dry, super dry, because they're vacuum sealed, matches that if I need them, I can use them too. And those are super easy to store. They're not breakable. They're not very much space and they're super barterable. So those are the sort of examples we're going to talk about today. And I wanted to bring that up because I think matches fall into that as well. Matches are super not reusable at all. But when you need fire, you don't care how it starts. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So now I'm going to talk a little bit about bartering. The thing about bartering, oh, and seriously, I I guess everybody knows that bartering is trading stuff for stuff, right? In other words, no No cash. cash. No cash, which means a couple things. No currency that's worthless, like U.S. dollars will be. Uh, No electronic system, no ATMs, no nothing like that, no credit cards. No chip cards. (laughs) Yep, it's trading stuff for stuff. It's a book of matches for a basket of peaches, just making that up. But that's what bartering is all about. Well, and let me throw this into a real world example happening right now is what's happening again in Venezuela, where you have their dollar, their whatever their currency is completely... The boulevard. The boulevard. I, I thought it was a cool name like that. Completely worthless. The things that are now considered currency in a barter situation. So the money is no longer usable. It really isn't. If you get a paycheck, it's worthless. You know, so now people are trading things and trading goods and services. So we'll talk about that. Yeah, because people need stuff. Yeah, to survive. They don't need zeros and ones in their bank account that show Mm -hmm. that they have $17,000, for example. That's not really useful. So I think most Prepper 2.0ers, and by the way, it's a term I just made up. I feel pretty good about myself. 2.0ers? Yeah, owers. Yeah. (laughs) 2.0ers get that bartering is a really important thing. Well, here's the thing about bartering that kind of sets the stage for this entire discussion. And that is you need a surplus of something. You do. Um, if you need insulin or you'll die, uh, you're not going to be trading insulin for something else because you don't have a surplus of insulin. If you have a surplus, that's a different story. So this needs to be a true surplus. So when you're prepping, you need to have more stuff than you need. I know that kind of seems obvious, but it really is foundational. You need to have a surplus of stuff. But here's the thing. There's two kinds of surpluses. One is a surplus of stuff that you would be using. That is to say, you've got 
two big tubs of oatmeal instead of just the one that you need. The other one is stuff you don't personally need. You know, there are necessities and there are comfort items. So you might have a surplus of some necessities, surplus of comfort items, and then you might even get stuff that you don't personally use. You were talking about matches. Mm -hmm. I guess starting a fire, I'd use a match. A classic example of this would be um, hard liquor. Yeah. Um, I don't plan on drinking much, if at all, during one of these uh, events because I need to have my wits about me. There are all kinds of things that I personally, I have a gluten intolerance. I'm not a big fan of wheat products, for example. I don't like tons of sugar. It makes me kind of upsets my stomach a little bit, but you can bet that what do we do every day after Halloween? You and me go out, we get all the cheap Halloween candy, we vacuum seal it. There's a surplus of something that's a comfort item that we don't really need. And you can imagine how valuable that would be when stuff falls apart and people need that comfort food. They, I think Anything that kids really need in the sense of really cheering up kids, that's going to have an extremely yeah. high value because parents will do just about anything, take care of their kids. And that's the happy side of it. Mm -hmm. The somewhat sad side of it is during a collapse, if your kids haven't had any candy, they're going to be whining and you're going to want to shut them up. <laughs> so you're going to want to have those Kit Kats yeah. to shut them up about that. Now, what are some of your thoughts on this thing about surplus and comfort items and necessity items? People think I'm weird. I remember when I, I don't. I know, I know, and I appreciate that. Isn't that That's nice? so awesome. I know. You must love me. I do. But keep talking. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> like I need to get myself out of this. I remember when I first was posting some of this on social media, people were like, "That's so weird!" Like because I posted a few top fifty things that'll be scarce in a collapse, and then the one, and I just pulled it up. Thirteen interesting things used as currency in prison because cash is not allowed in prison, and it's an interesting, fascinating list. But Why? it makes sense. But it makes sense because, to me, that is a great microcosm of an example of what it will be like in a collapse in terms of currency. For example, one of the items yeah, is... Yeah, let's go through the items. I think here. it's interesting. Ramen noodles. And what I do appreciate this about this article, by the way, this is at ranker.com. They have all kinds of lists of things out of prison. So have, Can I have add all something to this? Just so everybody knows, because... Most of our listeners have not been to prison, I'm guessing. Thank goodness. Yeah, and I haven't either. And if you have, be good. Be good. You can buy stuff in the prison store. They yes. pay you like 50 cents an hour a, I don't day. Know, a day to do stuff. And then for like 50 cents, you can get some ramen noodles. So a lot of these items you're going to be talking about are available in the prison store. Because otherwise you'd be like, has somebody in prison get yeah. ramen? I mean, what, what if people like their mother comes in and smuggles them ramen? But what happens, though, too, in that system where you go to this kind of general storage and you use the money that you've earned, or if you have family members and friends on the outside that have put money on your account, you can Very buy true. these things. So that right there tells you money's not allowed. So guess what is high value in prison? Cash, <laughs> right? If you, oh, can yeah. get a, if you can get a hold of cash. And the forbidden items, the things that you're not allowed to have, becomes currency. Cell phones. Cell phones become currency in prison. So, but then drugs. there's drugs. There you go. Right. But then there's the things that become high value for different reasons. And again, this is where I just think the experiment comes through. Ramen noodles, very high value. And it says in this article, why is ramen so valuable? Many prisons have been forced to make cutbacks on food costs and have inadvertently created this underground economy of high-calorie noodles. It's interesting. Another one that I really thought was interesting because it's almost like a false market, canned mackerel. This is what got my attention with this so story. So yummy. Not at Not all. Not at all. Uh, since the mid-2000s, inmates have started using cans or pouches of mackerel for currency. Inmates started using the containers of this oily, disgusting fish, dubbed Max, because they cost about a dollar at commissary. And that's no, the prison store. That's the prison store. And no one wanted to eat them. Commissary has limits. It's a false economy. Has limits on how many packs prisoners can get each week. So the market is relatively regulated. So that's like saying you can only have so many bars of gold. So guess what? The value of gold goes way up. But what if gold is yucky? You know what I mean? It yeah. creates this weird... It isn't about the mackerel. 
It's right. about the value and people in prison put value on these mackerel things for whatever reason, because there's not a they're lot not of it. eating it. Yeah, they're not eating it, but in their minds, it has value. And of course, you know where you were going to say this fiat currency, yes. the US dollar, and I guess credit card accounts and zeros and ones and things. It's all fiat. It kind of does you can't, that. You can't eat the money. It's not gold backed. I mean, gold and silver stuff we'll be getting into in a moment, but the whole fiat currency thing, I explain it, I think, pretty well in the 299 Days books, but it's not the stuff when we're talking about currencies. This is different than barter, by the way. Yes, it is. If you're bartering for that tub of oatmeal, you're bartering for that because you want to eat a tub it's of It's a necessity. Oatmeal. Yeah. And so now we're talking about currencies, but keep going with this list of prison currencies. Here's the, and then there's the things that are odd. So what do you do with your cans of mackerel? What do you, air quotes, purchase with those cans of mackerel? Guess what you do? Clean urine. Urine. That oh, for your urinary <laughs> for analysis? Your, for your, your, your UA. Oh, how nice. Combination locks. Well, maybe people in prison would steal stuff. I mean, that's hard to believe. A great combination lock will run you $6.50 at commissary. That's expensive. I can go buy one at wherever for, anyway. Well, wait a second. If stealing's against the law, why would people be doing it? No, I'm just kidding. Keep I know. Going. In prison, that's a great question. Those of us who have heard the harrowing stories or watched shows, besides monetary value and their obvious purpose of keeping your items safe, combination locks have a more insidious use in prison. You put one at the end of a sock and you hit somebody with it, you're going to injure them. We've all done it. Yes. Just kidding. Well, you have. Uh, spices. Oh boy. Can Interesting. I, go for uh, it. Let me go off on spices. Preppers. You have to have all the spices you can get. They are so ridiculously cheap. Go to Costco. Four bucks will get you like, I don't know about canisters, canisters of this stuff. You're going to be eating a lot of beans and a lot of rice. The seasoning is off the charts good because of morale issues and also because it'll get people to eat stuff. The beans and rice after a while, especially with finicky, fussy people, like maybe, allow me to generalize, millennials, um, <laughs> yeah. are going to, and teenagers and stuff. Well, make sure it's organic and gluten-free and all that, right? There are going to be people, at least in the initial phases, who are not going to eat perfectly good food because it's, quote, yucky. And spices will change that. I personally know that after being out in the field a long, long time and then eating bland food, it just isn't a party. You come back to base and you're like, really, that's it? And so you need spices. What Marco Polo, Explorers, Christopher Columbus, what was that all about? Spices. Why did we explore before land and conquering? No, we wanted spices from China. Exactly. And so spices are huge. This isn't a mini show on spices, but seriously, let me put it this way, preppers out there. If you have a limited amount of money and let's say a limited amount of storage space, I think that applies to a lot of Most people. Most of us. Go and get all the spices you can. Not weird spices. I mean, nobody cares about saffron, which, by the way, costs, crazy more, than, expensive. costs more than gold per yeah. ounce. For real. Not making that up. But garlic salt. Think of the spices you like. Uh, by the way, uh, seasonings isn't just like dried stuff. Tapatio, hot sauce. Sriracha sauce. Sriracha. Or as we like to call it at our house, sriracha. <laughs> all those things. Super, super cheap. Go to a cash and carry or a similar thing and get them and store them, the dry ones, put in vacuum seal. And you might have more money in that tub, more money, I should say, more value. More bartering value. Purchasing, yes, mm -hmm. power than you would, you know, a tub full of $100 bills. Yep. And so it's a great, great thing. Sorry to go off on spices, but no, it's so it's huge great. and it is so illustrative of what we're talking about. So you can see how drugs, smartphones, clean urine, there's illegal things on this list. Things, that's what makes them valuable. But then there's things on this list that are allowed in prison, but they become valuable for other reasons. But I think the principle comes from this, the rest of this, drugs, smartphones, violence, sex, sex. We're going to talk about that. You can barter for that. What I took away from that, I'm like, interesting, uh, mackerel. Well, I'm not going to go buy canned mackerel because I'm not in prison. I don't need it. But think about the things that will become valuable in a different economy in a collapse. Canned meat, canned chicken, canned salmon, specifically canned tuna. I actually really like canned 
tuna, that will become valuable. It'll be an incredible source of protein. It's incredibly cheap now, especially if you can find some good couponing kind of deals. Keeps forever, will become valuable. And because of its size, super small, super sealed, it's not going to get damaged in water or something like that. It's easily tradable. Here's a question. Hmm. Do you and I live this or do we just talk about it? No, we live it. Yeah. Describe some things that we have in our preps that we're not going to use and it's there solely for bartering. And by the way, when I say bartering, I really mean and or giving out to people to build community. It could be charity. It could be hearts and minds. It could be, let's be honest, flat out bribery. Absolutely. It could be like there's a very powerful family in our area. They have a lot of kids and they got a lot of armed people. We want to be on their good side. We want to give them stuff. So that when we're talking about bartering, we're talking about all kinds of stuff. What are some things that we have? Here's something that as soon as I say, you're like, Glenn and Shelby, you don't need those. No, we have a stash of baby diapers. We sure do. Because we don't have kids. That ship has sailed. There will, and we are sailing. saying bye-bye to that. Um, but there will be people in our community that will desperately need them. Other things, um, tampons, don't need those anymore. Whole blog post on that. If yep. you, if, go yep. ahead and just Google Glenn Tate and tampons. Go ahead, stand <laughs> laugh. Uh, and the blog post was called, My Name is Glenn Tate and I Buy Tampons. Yeah. And I talked about how it is something that the women in your community, family, community need. Uh, women, obviously, young girls. I mean, mm-hmm. Pre-teens. Pre-teens, mm-hmm. yes. Teens, I don't even know. Um, but they need this kind of thing. And it was the bartering aspect was also highlighted. The other part that was highlighted was I got a whole shopping cart full of tampons at a Walmart at four in the morning. And the checkout clerk, who is a very attractive woman, thought I was like the nicest, most thoughtful man ever. Now, Nothing happened, of course, Shelby, so don't even worry about it. Oh, geez. (laughs) But that's another advantage of all this is that you can pick up chicks in Walmart. Anyway, keep going. Wow, there's your plus for you. So here's the thing, feminine products in general, diapers, major coupon deals on those things all the time. If you don't have kids in your life... Good for you because getting beyond those two to three years of potty training is the <laughs> yeah. It's awful. It's awful. We both had small kids, but in a collapse, nobody cares if you're using whatever X brand or B brand. You just need something to stop what goes in diapers. So diapers will become gold in a collapse because think about having a small child. And no diapers, and also cloth diapers for I was that just very say, reason. What about cloth diapers? Because we're going to get a giant war of comments. Like, I use cloth diapers, and you should too. Mm-hmm. Well, that, uh, but anyway, that kind of fighting, that kind of infighting that happens in a collapse. There's no room for it. We just want the diapers. We don't care if they're made out of duct tape or cloth or whatever it is that they're made out of these days. We don't care. So, those are a necessity, and I think those things that are necessities are actually on the bartering scale become higher value. There's two kinds of necessities. There's necessities to us and Mm -hmm. there's necessities to somebody else. I think that is what you're getting at. But obviously bartering for necessities, stockpiling them and all of that is going to be a higher value. It's going to be more panicky. Yeah. So the other thing though, that I'll add that we have in our preps, we have diapers, we have female products, we have matches also to powdered milk. I have prepped a whole lot of powdered milk, In quantities, I vacuum sealed them in quantities to make one quart. So I can literally say, I have a quart of milk for you here. It's a pack of powder. And what do you want to trade for that? Powdered milk will be a game changer because it will not only feed adults and and you and I, it also feeds small children. We will see you in a few moments. More of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Looking to meet other like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own prepper group? Already have a group? Join PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet has gathered the biggest names in the industry to help unite preppers everywhere. Join John Jacob Schmidt, Scott Hunt, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, Glenn Tate, Shelby Gallagher, Charlie Hogwood, Samuel Culper, Survivor Jane, Rick Austin, Franklin Horton, Ryan Mitchell, and Brian Duff. Our team is united. Check us out at PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. PrepperNet.com. 
Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love Numana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. When the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself. And save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. Abe Lincoln here. In 1773, patriots broke the chains of British tyranny by throwing tea into Boston Harbor. On that day, Americans began drinking coffee. We celebrate that event daily here at Minutemen Coffee. All men are created equal. (laughs) Coffee is not. Minutemen Coffee is roasted to perfection in small batches. Old, smooth, and never bitter. Shipped to you fresh daily. Whole bean, ground, or our patented pods. www.minutemencoffee.com Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for come and take it, makes solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. And now, the second half of a Prepping 2.0 Encore. Episode number nine. Bartering, trading posts, and alternative currencies. Hello, we are back with the second half of episode nine of Prepping 2.0. This is on bartering, trading posts, and alternative currencies. One of the questions that is hotly debated in the prepping world, I've seen this on forums, I've seen this in conversations, uh, YouTube, is bartering ammunition. Now, there's two schools of thoughts on this. One is, yeah, it's got value. What the heck? I mean, why wouldn't you? We'll talk about that. The other school of thought is, why would you arm people who are probably going to use that ammunition and kill you? So if it were that simple, I would say it's pretty obvious that you wouldn't barter ammo. But it quite possibly is not as simple as that. Because when you assume that people that you're going to barter ammunition with are going to come and kill you, you're assuming they're in your area. And remember, transportation will be hard to come by. So it's not like If you barter with somebody three states away, they're going to like come to your house and kill you. So if you have a situation where it's the neighborhood, let's say, I think it would be an exceedingly bad idea to barter ammunition. Um, And some people go, well, I'll barter ammunition for guns that only I have, but I know that they don't have, for example, uh, an AK. So I'll I'll barter with them some 762 by 39. You know why that doesn't work? Because they're lying to you. If they didn't want 762 by 39, they wouldn't barter with you. The fact that they're bartering with you for 762 by 39 means they've got an AK. And if they're lying to you, you probably shouldn't trade with them. So one way to solve this distance problem when it comes to bartering is for everyone to travel a little bit to a trading post. More on that in a moment. So if you are trading with people that are going to be far away, bartering ammunition is certainly something to think about. Some people uh, stock tons and tons of ammunition with the idea of bartering in mind. 
uh, that's okay, that's cool. But I think that you're going to end up using far more ammunition than you thought you were. So you can call it stocking up for bartering, and I encourage everyone to do it. But you're probably actually not going to end up trading it too much. 22 long rifle is really more of a currency than it is a bartering item because bartering member is for stuff you need or stuff you're going to trade later. And if somebody says, hey, here's a brick, which is 500 rounds of 22 long rifle, I'm going to assume that's currency because it you got to have a lot of squirrels around to go through 500 rounds of 22 long rifle. So 22 ammunition might be one of those currencies that we were talking about. And there's another theory in the prepping world. I think it makes a ton of sense. Talk about it in my book. And I think you talk about it in your book, Shelby. And that is ammunition having sort of a dollars and cents aspect to it. Like a 5.56 five, or 223 round is like a dollar, not in value, but it's like that. It becomes a standard. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe nine millimeter is like quarters. Yeah. So it's like four, nine millimeter for a 5.56. Five, and then 22 are like the pennies. And again, don't get hung up on the numbers here. I'm not saying 122 long rifle rounds are worth one 5.56 five, round, but you can see when you've got smaller chunks like 22 right. long rifle, you can make change with it. And so bartering ammo, it'll probably become a currency. There are so many reasons to have all the 22 long rifle you can possibly get. And using it as quasi-currency is certainly a good idea. Now, what are your thoughts on bartering ammunition? I've mentioned this conversation I had before when I was talking to a young professional woman and talking about if you're going to go approach a community to join them during a collapse, you need to have something of value that you bring. And I encouraged her to stockpile some ammo because that could get her to safety. Bless her heart. <laughs> I think that's what Southerners say. I know. And I do. I hope the best for this poor young woman. But she's like, then I will go buy a box of that 22 that you tell me about, and I'll bring that. And we talked about it as like a potluck. Here's a salad. I yeah, brought a salad. I brought, no, I brought salad dressing. Is yeah. that kind of like, no, you need to bring like 10 bricks <laughs> of 22. And so it's one of those I tried with her. I hope I got through a little bit. But I think it could be... Especially if you are really strapped for resources and you can't do the full-on 100%. First of all, I always say this, get a food supply started, 30, 60, 90 days. Have some of that on hand so that you do have something to barter with. And it can be what gets you into a place for safety. So I don't know if that helps what you... Absolutely what I was getting at. It's another example of how 22 long rifle ammunition in particular is useful. Yes. Whether you call it bartering or a currency, whatever you call it, it is indeed useful. And mm -hmm. there is no downside whatsoever to having all the 22 long rifle you can possibly have. By the way, back to that scenario of arming your neighbors who are going to use it against you. Yes, 22 long is rifle deadly. is deadly. I'm a lot less worried about my neighbor having 22 long rifle than I am about him or her having a five five six, three oh eight, or seven six two by thirty nine, or a variety of other calibers. So remember that twenty two in the hands of somebody bad is probably a nasty flesh wound, and you might get an infection. But it ain't like three oh eight hitting you. Well, and I will say this, and a kind of interesting thing that remember a few years ago, gosh, six, seven years ago, when there was the huge shortage of ammo. Oh, I remember it well. Oh, I do too. And ammo got super expensive. Brooks of 22 almost became a bartering item in the firearm yeah. world. Yeah. So it was interesting. I kind of watched. I was like, ooh, you have a brick of 22. Where'd you get that? I think it's definitely something to barter with. But remember your comfort items and necessities. It is a necessity. So um, Ammunition I think is a necessity. It is Thank a necessity. Yes. It's very true. Taking, defending yourself or, by the way, having ammunition that you can supply to people who are defending your area. For example, you're an 80-year-old man. Mm -hmm. And maybe you're not out there pulling triggers and getting in firefights, but you have a bunch of ammunition. That's something you donate to the effort and now you get protected. Yes. So it isn't just you using stuff with the ammunition. The other thing about bricks, and I think you talk about this in a blog post from long ago, you don't have to just give up the 500 rounds. Yeah. You can vacuum seal them in packs of 50 or 100. And vacuum sealing is awesome for anything you barter because it's 
waterproof, it's sealed, it's not in oxygen, it's not degrading, and it shows whoever you're bartering with that you're handing them something very fresh and sealed. Right. You wouldn't take a bunch of loose 22 rounds, mm -hmm. vacuum seal them, and then two days later sell them. This shows that this was done on purpose and that these yeah. have been taken care of. Yep. Quick side note, ammunition pretty much doesn't spoil. There are a million reasons to vacuum seal it, as you just mentioned, but it's not as if you get ammunition that's not vacuum sealed that it's like going to get wet right, and not right. work or something so you can like that. I know that you brick. know that. Right. I do know that, but it's also a great way to break up the brick. Yes. If you wanted to. That's important. We, we were talking about diapers earlier. Vacuum and, seal those. Yeah. Vacuum seal them <laughs> and packs of 10 or something like that. Handoutable little packages. I mean, yeah. every sense of the word, they're a package. Well, I have a particular interest in trading posts and the typical example would be a town that has a park, county fairgrounds will be a big place that these will happen or some similar place where people come together, kind of like a flea market, mm -hmm. kind of like one of those big, you know, hundred family garage sale kind of things. And people have various things for sale, for barter, basically, to trade. or sale with alternate currencies, which we'll be talking about in a few minutes. Yeah, or to trade, exactly, trade, bartering. And people come from a distance, they assemble, they congregate. <laughs> uh, do you like my words? Congregate. Congregate. And she's looking at me like, you're such a dork, oh my goodness. And buy and sell. And I look at other places that have had collapses recently and get a lot of ideas. I don't yes. know that I have that many new ideas. Argentina mm -hmm. in 2000, um, Bosnia in the 90s, mid-90s in particular. I read several accounts that were fascinating and they described these trading posts. They were very similar in both Argentina and Bosnia. There were two kinds of trading posts. One were just decent people getting together and doing this, which is how I hope it works because decent people are always better to deal with than the other kind, which was the bad guys. It was the mafia, it yes. was gangs, it was maybe what's left of the government, it was strong arm stuff. So decent people coming together, you saw some of that depicted in 299 Days with Pierce Point and how that all worked. That's how I hope it goes, but I don't know that you can count on people just coming together and being awesome. So. I think we should spend most of the time on trading posts looking at the gang yeah. version of them. And it's not as bad as you think, because when I hear gang, that's a very negative word. Well, you think criminal, you, you think, think violence, right? But here's how the gang part actually turns out to be okay. And that is the gangs would make sure that that trading post was secure. They would make sure that nobody going to that trading post got robbed because if people get robbed going to or from that trading post, they're not going to go back. The gangs made money on rent. They would say, you want a table at our Saturday trading post? That'll be 500 rounds of 22 long rifle, for example. And so the gangs had a profit motive to organize this and make it happen. You kind of got to say good on you for that. I mean, yeah. good. I'm glad you're doing it. The gangs also had an incentive to provide security, and they did. One of the descriptions I heard was from Argentina. Pen name is Fairfall. He's kind of famous in the prepping community. And he talked about this, that there would be somebody trying to shoplift at one of these things, and the gangs would come in, and they just, they just beat the guy senseless. There would be little ad hoc gangs or little gangs or whatever they were, maybe individuals trying to steal from people on their way to and from. And the gangs had this security radius far and wide that prevented that. So then people would come and trade. Again, the gangs made some money. I don't, by the way, think it's so awful that the gangs are getting basically rent for providing you security to have well, a table. Well, I was going to say, there's a negative connotation to it, but they are a police force. Just because they don't have a government badge on them, to me, they're not a gang until they're just enacting violence and crime on everybody else. To me, I'm like, that's a private security firm. Exactly. As I talk about in my books, mm -hmm. good gangs. There yes. are good gangs and bad gangs. We're always talking about prepping business plans. You should have a side hustle, as the kids call it. <laughs> you should have a side business now to make some money for preps and to learn some skills. But that's a whole different show. But now, after the collapse you should have 
several businesses going. One of the viable businesses I can see post-collapse for people listening to this show would be organizing and securing trading posts. One of the things the team has in mind of the many activities we will be involved in, not to make money, but to provide materiel for our families and to help people, by the way. As I am fond of saying, it's not like we're going to go do things during the collapse and get like some big screen TVs and cigars. We're not talking about that. We're talking about food and gasoline and medicine and all those other things. Besides being a rental security force, if you will, and that doesn't mean working for bad guys. That means, is described in 299 days, providing security and the community taking care of some of our needs because we're out taking care of some of their needs. One of the other business models, that's the term I should have used earlier, would be setting up a trading post and providing security. Here's the thing. It's not easy and fun and glamorous. It's not easy money because if you are, let's say your mutual assistance group out there is going to have a trading post and provide security, the shoplifting stuff, that's one thing. The problem you're going to have (laughs) is the motorcycle gang that's going to find out about a trading post roll in one day, kill a couple of your dudes, maybe you, and say, this is our trading post now. Mm -hmm. It's been known to happen. And so I don't want anyone to think this is easy. If you're going to have the security necessary to have a trading post, you're going to need a lot of dudes, a lot of guns, a lot of communication. I highly recommend night vision. This is a serious undertaking. This isn't, you know, a garage sale. This isn't a flea market. So think about that as a post-collapse prepping business way for you to take care of stuff. You're going to have to treat people fairly. Uh, You as the organizer of the trading post, you're going to have to make sure you don't have shifty merchants because again, people get ripped off. They're not going to come back and you're not going to get your rental fee. And so you have to have a way of dealing with that. One of the great examples, if you want to see in a 10 or 15 minute video segment, everything I'm talking about is the TV show from the 2000s, Jericho. Very popular. I loved it. It was on for one and a half seasons on CBS. It's about an EMP. And in one of the episodes in season two, I believe, you could just go on the YouTubes, as the kids call it, Get on, Googles it on the YouTubes and, and just Jericho and Trading Post. And it's a trading post that happens at the fairgrounds. And just see what's going on there and see how that works. That'll give you a really good idea of everything we're talking about. Now, we have an even better look into a trading post. And that would be from your book, Shelby, A Great State. It's another great example of what we're talking about. It really develops is in the second book. And and by the way, what we're going to talk about here, there's no spoilers here. We're not giving away any great secrets in the book, but I do encourage you to read it. First of all, I will say this. It it takes place in Smoky Flats, which is a remote Colorado town based on a true town. That whole part, that whole aspect of that came together naturally. And I think that will be true in real life. I think to some degree in smaller communities, not in cities, smaller communities, it will kind of naturally happen. It'll be kind of meet at the center of town a couple times a week kind of thing. I don't think it'll happen in big cities because crime will overtake. If you show that you have anything of value in any sort of public setting, there will be violence, right? I just think it won't happen. And it will be the same sort of violence that happens at any sort of warehouse or manufacturer, you know, anywhere there where there's any sort of huge stores of supplies or food or that sort of thing. But and I think in small communities, there will be this kind of natural thing that comes about. And I think in the early days, and this is what you see in my book too, there will be basically people trading off their surplus, The whole, oh, my grandkids were here a couple of summers ago and I had some boots for them. We don't need them. We will go trade them. Those are those surplus things that you don't need. Perfect example, the kids' boots. That you don't need, but you know somebody else needs. You guarantee if you have small kids and you know how fast their feet grow, you know somebody else out there. And you can barter for that. And the trading post is fairly new in book two. And we all have this. If you're a prepper, you've been around, you have a lot of items 
items that you have personally canned, they need to get used or they're going to be wasted. Canned food items, extra blankets, extra things like that. But the other flip side of it though too, and I bring this out in book two, it draws a criminal element. And I'll just leave it at that. But there will be those who come and they will not be nice because they want something that you have and they're going to get mean about it. So, and there is a need for guarding. There is a need for protection of it, even in small towns, even in uh, small communities. Well, you know, the famous quote from whoever it was that in the 30s used to rob a lot of banks. Why do you rob banks? And all the money. That's where the money is. Well, similarly, when Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of stuff and people come together and bring their stuff, that's where the stuff is. And that's where you're going to see. Now, I'd like to talk about alternative currencies. And it kind of goes without saying, but it's a good reminder, the difference between bartering and currencies. Bartering is trading stuff to get stuff. And currencies are where you trade a currency to get stuff. So some alternative currencies. The obvious ones come to mind, gold and silver. Precious metals will be amazingly valuable. There's an interesting thing about precious metals. I don't see precious metals at the get-go of a collapse being particularly valuable. Great to have. You should get all the gold and silver you can. Don't go into debt to get it. But I mean, it's a great way of storing wealth. And in peacetime... Especially silver coins, you can get those. Yeah. By the way, silver, similar to gold, is like the change. It's like the 22 long rifle to the 223 Remington cartridge. So I personally am a big believer in silver. Gold is great, but at $1,300 an ounce, roughly... It takes a lot of money to get one ounce. It's hard to make change with that. You can't go wrong with silver. So get all the silver you can. But there's a great example of an alternative currency. It has a worth. It has a value. The other cool thing about silver coins in particular, you know that they're legit. It says United States government silver dollar, or it's a 50 cent piece before 1964. So you know that it's 90% silver. It's not like some coin that says like Canada, one ounce of silver. Well, it probably is, but you don't want to goof around with that. I'm a big believer in getting American coins that are a known quantity. Yes. And so there's gold and silver. Can't say enough about it. You've got to have some, even a little bit. We talked about the prison examples, the weird, wacky things that become alternative currency. I think ammunition, yes, and also previously touched on, will be an alternative currency. Gasoline yes. will clearly be an alternative currency. It's needed for everything. Transportation, obviously. It will be hard to come by. The refineries will either be shut down or the refineries will be taken over by the government and only supplying fuel to the government. And even if that doesn't happen, the gangs, whether they're the Rotary Club gangs or in fairness, the Kiwanis gangs, I want to be fair, Rotary Club, Kiwanis, maybe the Lions Club gangs. No, I'm kidding. But there will be bad elements controlling the gasoline. In 299 days, it was the Russian mafia. I could see that happening. Here's another alternative currency. You've talked about it a lot. Toilet paper. Yes. Tell people about Venezuela toilet paper Oh my gosh, this was so sad. And go back to about two years or so ago when the rioting that happened right after uh, Maduro took over the country and he he basically replaced the government and the rioting that was happening in the streets and the military, the Venezuelan military was fighting against the rioters. Uh, Knowing you and I, Glenn, we would have been one of the rioters. Probably. Of course. Of course. But but what was weird, the stories that came out of that is that you have neighbor fighting neighbor. You have somebody who's a member of the military fighting his neighbors. That's a writer. And there was this great uh, ceremony where Maduro thanked his army. And he went down the row of soldiers and gave them each a roll of toilet paper to pay them for fighting and battling against the rioters. That was the form of currency. It was a form of pay. That's what he paid them in. He paid them in uh, toilet paper. And they were thankful because there was no toilet paper in Venezuela. That's the thing is that it was so scarce, became valuable, and that's how he paid his military. Exactly. You couldn't have a better example of an alternative currency than toilet paper. By the way, stock up now. It's very, very cheap. Um, 
uh, put it in a space saver bag, suck it down, crush the, the tube, you can get 92 rolls of toilet paper into uh, a plastic tub. More on that in a while. Unfortunately, another alternative currency will be sex. We've covered that yes. on a variety of things and no need to go into that anymore. Um, we'll talk about it more in depth, the human trafficking end of it at another right. show probably. Yeah, but anyway. Yes. Um, this is an idea I came up with, and this could be a terrible idea. This mm -hmm. is not a thing. This is Glenn Tate's idea, so at least I'm honest. $2 bills. Yes. And here's how I came up with that. They do not have any inherent value because if they are backed, well, backed by U.S. dollars, ha, 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 there's no such thing. They are U.S. dollars, so they have their fiat currency. They're kind of rare. But here's the cool thing about $2 bills. Much like silver coins, you can tell that it's actually a $2 bill. Those are really hard to counterfeit, blah, blah, blah. So, and nobody counterfeits them. Why would you do that? I know. It would be dumb. And so my idea is to get a bunch of $2 bills. By the way, they're free. You walk, yeah, into, a you walk into a bank with two $1 from... bills and you come out with a $2 bill. And by the way, if nothing bad happens, you take your $2 bill and you go to Starbucks and you get half a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so $2 bills, there's no downside. So anyway, I'd love for that to kind of take off. Let's yes. hope it does. $2 bills, but it's a great example of an alternative currency. Another alternative currency that comes up and we see this in other parts of the world, and we've seen this in the U.S. in the past. So this is not a made-up thing. Scrip, S-C-R-I-P. It's like script without the T. And that is just local script. Um, classic example would be some mining towns as recently yeah. as, say, 50 years ago. They would have, if it was the Peabody Coal Company, which is a real thing, they would have... You know, I'm making this this part up now, but like Peabody bucks, and it was like one Peabody buck, and it was maybe printed out on a piece of paper, um, presumably. It, and I guess it, it it can't be counterfeited is the point, Correct. and it becomes stuff. You you trade some Peabody bucks for something, and that happened in the in the Forks example in my yes. books. There was local script it developed, so that would be a thing that comes up. Well, golly, we're at the end. God, that, that flew. That sixty flew by. minutes blazes by blazes by so we're going to wrap it up here but we wanted to thank everyone for listening to episode nine shelby give some folks your parting thoughts on bartering trading posts and alternative currencies i just want to encourage people as you as you're stockpiling and putting things away think about what you're going to set to the side for bartering later on excellent point that's it we will see you next time Keep on prepping. You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today, including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com. Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.